you know, how can I incorporate exercise in a less perfectionist type of way? Like, how can I think about body image in a less perfectionist type of way? Moving away from that kind of black and white thinking and instead focusing on yourself as a person more holistically and just yeah. supporting your mental health. Wait, should we record this? Wait, should we record this? Blessings and blessings, beautiful beings, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wait, Should We Record This? I'm Sydney. I'm Chloe. And today we have a super <laughs> lovely guest, our dear friend Kate, who Yay. is a registered dietitian. She's really great. Kate, do you want to introduce hey. yourself? <laughs> Hi, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> First, I just want to say, Watching your face while you did the intro was like a very new and exciting experience because um, I've heard your intro before, of course, but like now you're experiencing your it for the real like, deal. You're so into it. I'm like, I love this. I That's love my scary. intro. It takes yes. me back to my DP news days, you know? Oh my gosh. That's for the real ones. <laughs> Dandy day DP. If you know, you know. Oh Kate, how are you? It's good to see you. I'm good. good. I'm Doing like good. so excited for all three of us to be kind of in the same place at the same time. Yes. In spirit. Yes. Um, it is special. So for our listeners, Chloe, Kate, and I have been friends for what feels like forever. <laughs> um, I think these are like some of my longest friendships and the three of us specifically like this group dynamic. Yeah, we've all known each other since well Kate and I have known each other since junior high and then yeah. Chloe Kate and I have all been friends since high school so yeah. I think I just plus one myself in there me and Kate had a lot of classes together and I just remember being in calculus together and we'd always be <laughs> eating the same lunch we all had like carrots and like a peanut butter and honey sandwich and we'd be eating it like in the middle of the morning at like 10 a.m. We'd finish lunch. <laughs> like we can't wait till lunch. We were just like yeah. dying and calculus. Together. That's like that's the athlete life right there for you. Right, right. Yeah. Already hungry for lunch speaking, at 10 a.m. Yeah, speaking of athletics, it's exactly what we were. But also one of my favorite memories, which is kind of also tied to athletics, and that's what we'll talk about today, kind of. Um, but the three of us iconically did grease pole together oh, in high pole. school. We will show pictures. Yeah, yeah we'll we post need pictures to. on our Instagram so everyone that doesn't know what grease pole is can understand. Yeah, yeah. But for anyone who is not familiar, which is probably most people, it's a activity for seniors in high school and they literally have this just at our high school I don't think it's like a uh, yeah it's not a common thing it must be specific to ours but it's like a giant pole basically like maybe six inches wide like it's a pretty thick pole like all the way up and they grease it with Crisco and groups of three people sign up to make like a human tower to climb climb on top of each other and on this Crisco oh my pole. god it was so funny like I remember practicing with you guys um and we'll get into the sports again but I we would go down to the softball field and climb the flagpole together <laughs> to practice and it was like a pretty epic failure Such a mess that video comes up on my Facebook memories like every five years or something and it's so funny maybe I can find it and we'll we'll share yes. it with the audience yeah. Yeah. Chloe is the base because she's our sturdy yeah. block yep. of wood and then the topic <laughs> was to put me in the middle and then Kate somehow tried to get on top of me also <laughs> we were at a huge disadvantage because we were like second or third to go yeah, true so 
pole was like right. extra greasy for us. Whereas people that like went last, mm-hmm. everyone had like wiped up off the grease. So they just had to climb a normal pole that wasn't greasy and could get to the top. But like, yeah. we were so at a disadvantage because we were early in the lineup. So <laughs> Although to be fair, judging based on that video of us practicing I'm not sure the grease was a factor but we can just say that it was to make ourselves feel better but I do I do agree like DP really needs to start like re-greasing in between each yeah. uh, fair advantage yeah. also, to like, like level the playing field mm-hmm. where did this tradition start like whose idea no was it idea. to be like let's have these seniors in high school try to climb and grease kind of like, weird it's like kind of not to make it weird, but I feel like it's almost like borderline inappropriate because we're all wearing like <laughs> spandex and we're getting like greased up climbing on top of each other. Like <laughs> a little weird, a little weird in retrospect, but you know, fun. we all wore like matching bandanas and everything. It was a good time. But yeah, we've been, we've been friends for so long and now we all live in different places around the world. But Kate, will you tell us, like, give us a little bit about you? Like, where are you? What are you doing in life? What's up? What do you like to do? We had some really exciting things happen recently. Yeah, so hello. Share with our <laughs> listeners. Happening. Give us a little bit about you, Kate, Miss Catherine. All right. Um, I feel like I, I like, I don't want to make it too like work bio-y, but <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I um just finished getting my degree for, I guess you could call it a second career, although I feel like I'm a little too young to consider myself to be on my <laughs> second career, but like, I mean, technically. Technically, yeah. I am. Um, yeah. I worked for like a few years in like communications and marketing and then decided to go back to get my nutrition credentials. Um, and I'm officially a registered dietitian as of this fall, which was Bravo. a long time coming and very exciting. Um, and I'm starting a new job tomorrow, actually, oh. um, at UCLA with their digestive diseases division. So oh super, super excited about that. Um Outside of work and nutrition and all that stuff, I um, really enjoy being outdoors. Um, grew up by the beach in Santa Barbara, just like Sydney and Chloe. So love being at the beach. Um, grew up swimming, so love to be in the water as much as possible. Um, and then also did triathlons in college. So got a lot more into biking and running and more recently more into like backpacking and trail running um so that's all been really cool um and I just recently got engaged <gasps> so, that's another exciting tidbit uh that is so exciting. Cat. her name's Sprout oh, she's Sprout. Uh... I was waiting for you to bring up Sprout Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know how I got from engagement to cat but I'm engaged to a, a human. Uh, very wonderful man named Eric and our cat is the best um and I never thought I would be a cat person but you know life takes you in crazy directions so here we are (laughs) and I have to say I got to meet Sprout a few months ago for the first time I've known her for years via photos (laughs) and and other forms of media but I got to meet her in person and she's honestly so funny she's like super wheezy and she has this little like sneezy like it's so cute but she's so grumpy and adorable (laughs) and incredibly soft she's so soft and the way that she just like sits in funny little positions on tiny things it's (laughs) but yeah, and your fiance and you are just so adorable, and it was so fun getting to meet you guys and see you guys like interact a bit more than normal. It was precious, and we're so happy for you. And our friends it's getting married. I'm so it. excited. I'm it's so gonna excited be too. really great to get to see you all 
wedding and stuff too. does this mean we're invited to the wedding what kind of question is that of course we're yes. fucking invited to the wedding yeah. just a fair Sweet. warning i i am personally notorious for disgustingly sobbing at every wedding that i go to so just watch out for that your wedding will but, be a tearjerker for yeah, sure it'll be amazing it'll be amazing i'm excited for your wedding though Yes. I'm excited for my wedding too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really hope it doesn't fall while I'm in the midst of studying for my boards, but you know, either way, it'll be a fun Yeah, day. we're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. You guys have a wedding date around me. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Priorities. I can't wait. But yeah, so I guess what we're going to talk about today, what we thought would be interesting is because we all grew up together to some degree, we all knew each other in our like formative years of our youth. And we all played different types of sports, which I think is interesting that we'll get into it. But like each of our sports had a different kind of stereotype and, you know, regime and all kinds of things. Yeah, like they're very <laughs> different, but it's interesting that we all kind of grew up doing that. Um, and then and we were all being... like very into and dedicated to our sports. Like when we that's were. True. Yeah, that's true. For- yeah, I feel like none of us were like casual sports players we were like all in yeah that's true and so we want to talk about that and then I also feel like just well not to generalize but to generalize being women in sports like body image I think is the number one thing you're most aware of socially and in the world like as a woman it's just so common to think about that so I feel like we can talk about how our sports may have influenced that or how we saw ourselves through these sports and just kind of how that goes with life and sports and also leaving sports and transitioning from like childhood sports to beyond and like playing sports in college and doing you know athletic things in college and beyond and how kind of your I guess your mental relationship with sports too but also your relationship to your body and the way that you move through life like physically and just how all that goes. So, Kate, will you tell us about what was like early sports days of Kate? Like, how did you become so athletic? What was little Kate like? What did you do for sports and athletics and stuff? It's funny how you say like, how did you become so athletic? Because I feel like as a kid, I like was always like the worst on the team. <laughs> like, <laughs> always like I played. So like I played soccer, softball and swim. I, I did swimming. Um, like from a young age I, I get, and I think there was like maybe a brief period of overlap where I was doing all three but it was mostly like soccer and swimming at first and then it was like mm-hmm. softball and swimming no other way around sorry softball when I was younger anyways um, I, I have like distinct memories of like when I played softball I would like stand in the outfield basically like <laughs> way in the corner where like I mean not that outfield isn't important but I feel like at that age like yeah, the no, ball's 1, not getting out there that much they're like yeah. where can we put this kid who is like yeah. really not very focused on you the definitely game. pop them in the outfield they pick some daisies <laughs> and they chew on their glove and you're like you'll be all right yeah. you'll be all right could you like making the rainbows with the there <laughs> like with your head in the clouds like picking flowers paying like zero attention being like so spacey <laughs> yeah no I mean like drawing pictures in the dirt with the cleats was like the move that's like, the best part you have, like the perfect rainbow drawing tool on your foot so <laughs> um and then yeah soccer kind of like same deal I was also like always like a head shorter than like everybody else around me as a kid because I just like 
we were really late um so there's like pictures of me playing club soccer and like there's like the girls on the field look like so much bigger than me and I'm like no wonder this was a struggle for me Uh, (laughs) but um swimming was the one that like really stuck um I had like a really good community with all my swim friends um and I was never like the fastest swimmer especially when I was like really young because I was just like smaller than everyone but I just like really loved doing it um and like really poured myself into that from a pretty young age um and like the club swimming kind of environment is very like all in like Mm. pretty much club swimming goes year round like except for sometimes people will take like a couple weeks off in August but like you have short course season long course season like it spans pretty much from like September through July um all the big swim meets and like it's kind of non-stop um and there's very much this culture of like you come to practice every day like if you want to be a good swimmer you need to be consistent um and so that was like definitely instilled in me from a young age was like if you you know are serious about this and you want to improve like you need to like really put in the work um Mm -hmm. and really be consistent Mm -hmm. like in high school I was practicing like 10 days 10 times a week like we'd have doubles like two or three days a week and then the only day we had off was Sundays so um it was definitely something I spent a ton of a ton of time doing and kind of shaped my whole childhood really I was like five when I joined my first club team really Um, yeah I although I I was like a I learned how to swim like I think around like three or four um with this like lifeguard who worked at a country club and somehow like we weren't members at the country club but we were able to do like swim lessons there because of our relationship Mm. with her and then I swam with like they had kind of like a little team there like they would literally have like their swim meets they would have like the 25 breaststroke which is like not something that would be (laughs) um so yeah I did that team for like which was like a bit less intense and competitive for like a few years and then I think around the age of like nine I started swimming with Santa Barbara Swim Club like more Wow. competitively do you think that structure when you were little helped you like did you like having so much like time and practice and kind of that set structure do you think it was helpful to you or did you go through periods of not liking it or what did you think about it when you were young I mean I can't really ever like as like a younger kid I can't yeah. really ever remember a time where I was like man I don't want to go to swim practice like I was like always excited to go to practice Aww. I was like always just this little bundle of energy like yeah, yeah. swim practice Aww, <laughs> um, so cute. but um I mean I I definitely like looking back on like high school like I was like very committed and I definitely wouldn't miss a practice but like I do think there's things that I like missed out on or had to choose between yeah. because my practice schedule was so intense um yeah and so in hindsight, I'm like, I don't know, maybe I should have like yeah. mixed things up and live a little done more social <laughs> things in high school. Like not sure. that I didn't have don't like I obviously had like plenty of fun memories from high school, but um yeah. I was very definitely very focused. Um but I think at the time it was like what I wanted to be doing and I was really committed to it. I remember when Katy Perry played at DP. <laughs> yeah. Um it was like a shout big out to Katy Perry. I, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> it was like a big deal that I like didn't go to swim practice that day. Like oh, I remember wow. our coach like telling us like you better come to practice, and I was like, but like Katy Perry's Katie playing at my high school. Like no, so like <laughs> and I'm not just Katy Perry, had... but Katy Perry in her prime. Like yeah, that yeah. was the <laughs> most Katy Perry. Katy Perry could be. You couldn't miss that for swim. Just oh. yeah, no, I like. 
I'm I'm so glad that I at least had the sense to like not skip a free Katy yeah. Perry concert. Um, there but there are definitely things I did skip. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that so much. That sentiment of like, wow, I was so in this, and now being out of it and looking back of like, what like what was I so invested for? Like, really, where did I think I was gonna go with this? And just like the things you do miss out on and pick and choose. And Sid, will you tell us about your experience with like athletic activities and and yes. dance and the arts? Yes. How are you as a what was baby Sid like? So I did ballet all throughout my childhood in high school. That was my main sport. I played basketball for a few years there, but it gets to a point where like dance becomes like pretty intense. You basically you dance or you do something else and like having yeah. multiple sports isn't really feasible. So I started doing ballet. I think I was four and a half when oh I started. So I was also really little. And I remember every year, like I loved ballet, stuck with it. And then every year when it was time to like register for like AYSO or basketball, my mom would be like, Oh, do you want to try this? Do you want to do? And I was like, no, like I have ballet, like why? And she's like, but don't you just want to like expand your horizons? Like who knows, maybe you'll like this just as much as ballet or more. And I was like, eh, no. And I, it makes so much sense. Like I don't like running. I don't really like contact sports. And so I'm like, of course I did this like dance thing because it was competitive in its own nature and own right. But it's not like I had people coming at me like balls being thrown at me people trying to like kick me or whatever and I'm like yeah of course I did dance and also like you're a performer at heart like yeah I'm stage was calling you to be fair I did really get primed and trained to be that way like I think I have this like diva extra personality in I think partly that's just my nature but then also coupled with dance like it really got it and heightened and I mean it makes sense that I gravitated towards that um so yeah, like when I was little, it was just fun. Like, I think I had like ballet, like one day a week or something, like it was just a fun thing. But then as you get older and you progress and you move up in levels, it got more and more intense to the point when I was in high school, I like did, I tested out of PE, I did independent PE and I would literally leave school early to go to class. You have class and then you have rehearsal. And basically my life was like, go to school, go to class, go to ballet, come home, eat dinner, do homework, eat, sleep, repeat, do it all over again. Like wasn't a ton of room for like play and like being a little kid. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mind because I mean, I had friends at school, like I had you guys, but then I had like my ballet friends. So I was still like socializing and like had a really strong community there. That was like really fun. But looking back, it was like, I remember I would go to football games, but I'd be like, oh, well, I need to go to bed because I have rehearsal really early on a mm. Saturday morning. I can't be out late, even though it's a Friday night and I'm in high school. Um, and same thing, like I would have multiple rehearsals a day. I did ballet every day, except for like Kate, I had Sundays off. So it was like my one day. And usually that was like a catch up on homework thing because you'd get back from rehearsal late and you're up late. Um so it was really intense. Yeah. And I mean, I'll get more into like how that affected like my mental and physical state and all of that. But um, yeah, I was plugged into it. Jeez. And it shifted. Like I still have this love of dance and like now I do hula and Tahitian and like I'm grateful for that experience would never repeat it. And even now I'm kind of like, I sort of wish I had done more and wish I wasn't so into it and wish I like 
maybe I would have like loved volleyball. Who knows? And there are things I'll never know. Cause I just didn't try or do it. Like I was like, if I'm going to commit to something, I'm going all in a thousand percent and was like very dedicated. But yeah, in hindsight, I'm like, I was never going to be a prima ballerina, nor did I want to be. So why was I like so serious? And same thing where I would be like, no, I have to be responsible. I'm not going to go wild because then like rehearsal tomorrow is going to stink or, you know, it was just kind of like, what was the motive for that at the time? Doesn't make a lot of sense now, but I don't know when you're 16, (laughs) your brain. Yeah. Well, how long did you do ballet for? When did you stop doing ballet? So I actually quit my... Uh, at the end of my junior year so my senior year I wasn't dancing and that was a huge thing and I'll go I guess I can go into it now yeah basically long story short I loved ballet it was my life and it was amazing 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 until it wasn't Mm -hmm. my last year dancing at the company that I was with was truly absolute hell and torture like Mm -hmm. Physically, I was in really bad shape. I had a lot of injuries. My mental state was like awful. It was honestly a pretty toxic environment there. In the dance world, there's a lot of drama anyway. Um, But for whatever reason, this last year I was doing it, there was like a lot of drama. And I don't, even though I'm a dramatic person, I don't love (laughs) drama in my life. Um, And it was really challenging. And, you know, like, that's just like such a pivotal time when you're like 16, 17, like you're starting to apply to college and like getting ready to leave your nest. And like, there's so much happening. And I was just in like such turmoil being like, I used to love this sport. I used to love these people. And now it's like, I would dread where I used to like Kate, like I would love going to rehearsal into class. And that last year I was miserable. And every day I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and your senior year is kind of like when you're in your prime, like you get like lead roles and solos and star of everything. And that's kind Mm. of like everything you're working towards. And I mean, I was getting lead roles and solos before that anyways, but like your senior year, you're almost like guaranteed that kind of thing. So for me to walk away right before, like I reached this peak was huge. And so much of my identity was wrapped up in dance because that was like my world. And so I had this like identity crisis of like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I would eat, sleep and breathe ballet. And I just took that away. And now I have time to actually be a teenager. And my senior year was super fun because of it. Like I got to be involved in leadership and do all these things that I never did as a kid. And like things most high schoolers should get to do that I didn't get to do when I was in ballet. So it was actually like a really beautiful thing that I stopped when I did, but it didn't come without like heartache and trouble and a bit of like loss and wonder of like, what am I doing? Is this the right decision? Should I have just stuck it out one more year? I'm really glad that I didn't, but, um, it was a tough decision in the moment for sure. Yeah, that was tough. And for you, Kate, how was it like phasing out of club swimming? Was that, did that happen at the end of high school? Cause I know you also swam at school as well, didn't you? Yeah. I like, basically finished high school and like by that point I had decided that I wasn't gonna swim in college like I I had pretty limited options for where I could swim in college and I just decided not to prioritize that in my college choice um and honestly by the time I finished senior year I was like so frustrated and burnt out because my senior season was just like not what I had wanted it to be and like kind of like Sydney was saying like it's almost expected of you that like your senior year will be like the cherry on top of like your whole yeah. what I mean I guess unless you're going on to collegiate athletics it's like 
kind of like everyone expects and hopes that it will be kind of like your peak performance yeah. um, period. And for me, like I had a pretty disappointing senior season and like felt like I had put in so much work and time and effort into like really trying to hit my goals. And then like when I didn't really meet all the goals that I yeah. had set for that season, it like left me with a little bit of like a bitter taste in my mouth. Like, mm-hmm. was it even worth all that? Like, I don't know. I was pretty like burnt out and frustrated by that point. And so I was like, I'm so glad that I <laughs> am not swimming in college. Like, yeah, I just like need to take a break from this. Um, and sure enough, by like the second semester of my freshman year, I like missed swimming and yeah. I like started swimming again. Um, at first, like I would swim a little bit on my own, just like at the rec center. And then I joined the club swim team and then ultimately joined the triathlon team at UCLA. So that um, ended up being like kind of a resurgence of my swimming, but it was kind of nice that I had the other two sports to focus on. So I didn't get like so dialed back into swimming. Like I feel like it was kind of healthier for me in a way because like I wasn't like obsessing over my swim times because I was also right. focused on two other running sports. and biking yeah right like whereas at the end of my the, the headspace I was in at the end of my senior year like I was so focused on my times and I wanted to hit my times and I was like frustrated that I wasn't um but I feel like um approaching swimming from kind of like a new direction um and like seeing it as part of the triathlon like kind of allowed enabled me to like start enjoying it again and like stop yeah. putting so much pressure on myself yeah for my, my do you think time, so. do you think it was also anything to do with like the people that you were swimming with like your teammates so to speak in the environment that they cultivated on the team or like coaches or lack thereof like was it more self-guided when you were doing the triathlon thing or did you still have the same like intensity of like coach involvement I mean I think in both environments there was a lot of intensity and like mm-hmm engagement from like everyone around me like both on my swim team and my triathlon team like everybody was like very like invested and committed um Mm -hmm. and like we definitely had that strong feeling from our coach too um but I don't know I feel like in triathlon I was able to think of it more as like being like just for fun as opposed to like I have to do xyz or I have to swim in this time (laughs) or whatever I feel like it's also a part of like growing up and like when you're a kid like you guys are saying like you just pour everything into it and you feel like it's like a life or death thing and it's like it all matters so so much and it's funny now like I remember watching my little sister do gymnastics which she got super into super competitive and like me watching as like a parent sort of point of view I'm like oh they're so cute like it's so amazing that they're getting out there they're making friends they're learning like failure and resiliency and all that stuff but you realize that's like one bad meet or one bad whatever game is not that big of a deal but to see the child going through that like and I remember feeling like that too of like it's the whole world and having your like self-worth attached to your athletic performance at such a young age I feel like is a tough thing to reckon with when like you feel like if you fail like nobody's gonna like you or your coach is mad at you or your parents are disappointed in you or you're unlikable in some way or unpopular or like you know it could be a whole slew of things and I feel like it's just 
it's so tough because I think each parent deals with it differently as well. But I'm interested in like, how did your parents like influence your sports and how was your kind of, I guess, experience with like failure and struggle with your sport? Hold on, Chloe. Will you also talk about, because you also yeah that's true yeah. I feel like and, we need like the Chloe lead in before yeah, we athlete also okay. you don't leave the people hanging Chloe so, <laughs> I, sorry sorry people sorry audience. we'll get back to the parent question because it's okay. a great question but we also want to hear your sports experience my spiel, okay um my spiel was when I was younger I did soccer and softball and water polo and similarly kind of some of them had overlapped but they sort of phased in and out. I think I dropped soccer first because like Sydney, I hated running and I was like, eh, not really <laughs> into it. But I think it was actually people that I played soccer with who pulled me into water polo, um, which obviously has more overlap with swimming. So I also remember like UK having morning practice, morning swim practice before school, then going to school, then you have water polo practice after school. And it was just so physically demanding and I hated it, to be honest. Like, I don't remember ever liking water polo. <laughs> like, but the problem I was, remember like... my parents wanted me to play water polo. Like, yeah. probably because it would have been more... Honestly, would have been way more entertaining yeah, than, than watching them, like, swim, swim laps. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, like, not. No. And I was, like, no, they're going to crush me. They're going to, like... Yeah. I'm small, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, also, like, for the listeners, if you don't know, like, I've always been, like, a bigger build. Like, I'm not a small person I was not a small child like I've always been like tall muscular built whatever so water polo came very naturally broad shoulders big arms whatever and I could swim because I grew up by the beach and whatever but the problem was I think of all three sports I was probably best at water polo but I just hated it so much (laughs) and it was so brutal I used to like fake sick so I didn't have to go to practice like I hated it and it was super intense and so that was really dramatic like I remember being really dramatic when I quit soccer because my mom played soccer or my mom loved soccer and I felt like I was disappointing her when I decided to quit and obviously she was supportive but I remember it being really hard and then water polo I was just like fuck this I'm so done like I don't want to do this and I didn't want to do it in high school so I think I quit around eighth grade like before going into high school because I also feel like high school is a time when you kind of pick your sports and you can do multiple, but like if anyone who's taking it seriously usually has like one primary sport in high school. And for me, that was softball. Um, So I played softball and I played for the high school, but I also played club and around my like sophomore year of high school, I started thinking about playing in college. So I started going through the recruiting process and joining more competitive teams and you look up you know colleges and it's kind of weird thinking that I was like 15 and I was like emailing colleges to get scouts to come watch my games and things like that um but it was definitely something that I wanted to do almost as like a means to an end like I was never that good at softball either like I think relative to my peers I was the best in high school like out of my high school team like I was more of a standout than I ever was on any other team like once I got to college, which was awesome, I got recruited to play, got my foot in the door to a school I probably wouldn't have gotten into or even thought about going to had I not played sports. 
but then I got there and I was like I'm just a really good teammate like I'm not a superstar but I can be supportive I can be a good teammate and I played through college which was cool I think I got the chance to to start and play and that was they did shove me to the outfield though so used to play in the infield I got to college and they're like get on out there go to the grass baby um all those rainbows yeah yeah exactly pick the daisies chew on your glove but it was really intense like I remember having really intense club softball um but then once I got to college it was a lot more intense on like the mental side and it was mentally taxing like via the physical challenges that they put you through um but it was a lot and I knew I wasn't gonna play after college like I was never gonna go like professional and the professional league for softball is like tiny anyway um so it was kind of just like surviving that and getting through it. And I think it did a lot of damage to a lot of my teammates. I think on the grand scheme of things, I came out relatively unscathed, but it was also tricky. And I think it's also tying it back into like body image and things like for me, softball, and I've joked about this before, but like softball, you don't have to be physically fit to be good at softball. Like you need good hand-eye coordination, be a little bit quick on your feet, but like there are all types of bodies and all types of athletic abilities that can be really good at softball if they have a skill. It's not like any fit person could just be good at the sport. Not to say that that's the same with like swimming or with dance, but I don't think there was as much of that barrier to entry that like you didn't need to be super fit. So they didn't really care all that much and like the physical demands that they put us through in these like crazy insane workouts and stuff at the time I was like this is so fucking stupid and so unnecessary like let's go to the batting cage and practice hitting why are we fucking running up this hill and carrying logs and like what is happening (laughs) it was awful like yeah I have some horror stories from college but um I think that was a nice thing that like it I don't didn't have to worry as much about my physical body and like strength in particular and muscle mass was celebrated more so than like a leaner body type so for me I culturally within my sport felt pretty confident and pretty comfortable being in my body but I do remember back when I played water polo and you're in like a painted on swimsuit like you know what I mean like you're just your body is so much more out there and when you're in soccer you're running all the time so if you're you know not in good shape aerobically like it stands out and it yeah so I'm interested too for you guys being in swimming and dance where like your body is much more visible for one because in softball we're like baggy ass pants and a baggy shirt like someone's looking at your body but you're more visible but it's also just kind of a requirement to be as physically fit as possible to be a top performer in your sport but I don't know if you guys want to speak that's my background spiel (laughs) Kate do you want to answer this first or do you want me to yeah I mean I can definitely relate like being in a swimsuit all the time around lots of people like definitely does a number on a teenager's brain right (laughs) I'm sure Sydney can say the same for Whole and leotard situation. Yeah. Yeah. In a leotard, it's basically same thing. basically the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> being in a leotard when you're like going through puberty and stuff was not yeah. fun. And like with ballet, especially like 
you need to be small and you're encouraged to be petite. And I'm relatively tall. And I remember going through puberty and getting boobs and I just cried. I was so pissed because, you know, you don't wear a bra in a leotard and you do all these jumps. And I remember like whatever I was doing my jumps and one day I was doing these jumps and I just like had these boobs and I was like, what the heck? My leotard's not fitting. Like these jumps all of a sudden feel hard. And like you gain weight when you go through puberty. It's like a normal process. And I bawled. I was like, what is going on? I hate this. I hate my body. Yeah, I had a really um tricky time with that. And also, not only are you meant to be small, but like you are trained to like look in the mirror and critique like every single thing about yourself because that's how you correct your lines and like your dance looks better but you don't just compartmentalize like oh I'm literally just going to protect or critique like how my foot looks or how my arm looks at this angle it's like no you pick apart your body completely where you're like I'm filled in a room that's like lined floor to ceiling with mirrors yeah and I'm going to just pick apart every single thing I don't want you know like that'll fuck you up and you're trained to do that and as you're like yeah, as a teenager, which I think you're already like more sensitive to that. It was definitely not healthy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did they talk about that at all? Like, did your coaches or your parents or like any adult influences around dance, like speak Uh, specifically to that or like help you go through that at all? My mom finally started to intervene because I developed a pretty severe eating disorder. I was like anorexic and was starving myself. And, you know, you can't really hide that. And I was fortunate where like my parents would like cook dinner and stuff and they would be like, you're not eating what's going on. And like ballet is very physically demanding. Like you're burning all these calories. I was exercising for like probably like four or five hours a day. Like it's no joke. So to be like pushing my body to its extreme limit, but not like nourishing it or replenishing anything like doesn't work. And you're in the midst of like growing. Mm -hmm. Um, So finally there was a point where my mom was like, yeah, this is not going to work. Um, she intervened and then had my, but she was also like, as the parent being like, she's not going to listen to me. So Mm -hmm. got my teacher to intervene, but like, she didn't really do anything like that's, it's almost like promoted and like, they'll make, like, I remember I had teachers that would like make comments or we had like custom made tutus and stuff, but they would take our measurements like in front of everybody. So there were things where it was like from almost promoting it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. To answer your question, no. Yeah. Well, I remember, like, in college, we got weighed every week in front of everyone. And it was just, like, part of it. Like, part of weigh-in. Which, I honestly don't even know why we really did it. Like, I think they were yeah, tracking. Yeah, like, what are they doing with those data points? Like, yeah, like how is it influencing your the, sport? <laughs> the only thing I remember them using it for was they would do ratios between your body weight and how much weight you could lift. And they would like award the people with the highest ratio of like comparative to your body weight how much you know whatever and that was like one of the things that they were giving acknowledgement for um but yeah I'm curious too from your guys' perspective and Kate because you're in nutrition like how nutrition is discussed in your sports and how that was was or wasn't talked about when you guys are growing up like food and athletics yeah I mean I feel like 
it wasn't talked about enough. Um, like, I think it's really important to like get ahead of these sorts of issues because eating disorders are so common in sports and like teenage athletes, like, like Sydney said, like you're putting in so many hours of like rigorous physical activity. And I think it's hard for a teenager to wrap their head around, like truly how high their nutrient needs are. Um, and as like a teenager, like, I feel like I would compare what I was eating to like the people around me. And it seemed like, you know, I'm eating like a quote unquote normal amount compared to my friends. But like in hindsight, I'm like, I was like totally under fueling as like a high school athlete. And like, I just wish that there had been kind of more knowledge and awareness around that. Like, Hey, like your energy needs are really, really high. Like you need to be like really prioritizing carbs before you swim and protein after you swim. And like, I, I don't really remember there ever being a lot of conversation around that. It's also possible that I was just like a teenager and didn't want to hear it because I feel like as a teenager, you just like want to be like, again, quote unquote, normal. And it's yeah. like, I don't want to like be the one who's like eating way more than my friends or something. Like, I feel like as a teenager, I felt like self-conscious about that and like definitely wasn't really mindful of like the fact that I was not putting enough fuel into my body yeah did you have any education around that Sid like fueling yourself no that wasn't talked about at all and I actually remember instances where I would go to like friends houses and like whatever we'd be eating pizza and I wouldn't eat and they would almost like make fun of me of like what you're not gonna eat like you're already so skinny blah 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 and I was I was really tiny um and then they would almost poke fun at me but yeah I don't feel like I had any education or conversations around it aside from my mom just being like a concerned parent of like you need to eat and yeah. I'm just worried about your like mental health and knew like I had like a horrible self body image and I remember like I um thought it was like so attractive to have the bones in like your rib cage show and that was like oh, what I was expecting to that's yeah. what I thought was attractive and I remember being like oh I just really want these bones to be like super exposed yeah. which is like that's a sign that you're undernourished you're malnourished yeah, yeah. let me tell you about the physical signs of malnutrition show us <laughs> tell us nutrition that is a thing that you do if you work inpatient in a hospital as a dietitian like part of your job is to assess for physical signs of malnutrition so there's like various places around the body where you'll feel like to assess the muscle tone and like certain areas on the body where you're more prone to losing muscle and fat mass if you're mm. undernourished um so like for example um your like temporalis like on the sides of your forehead like you'll start mm. to see an indent there if someone's malnourished and then like um the fat pads under your eyes are one of the other ones i mean everybody's body's like different as in terms of like where you'll see those physical signs of malnutrition first but um yeah yeah it's just so crazy to think that like some of the things that are glamorized in like pop culture or in the dance world or whatever yeah. like that's a sign of malnutrition and like if you were you know in the hospital undergoing treatment for a chronic illness like your dietitian would be extremely concerned to be seeing those like physical manifestations of undernourishment yeah it's another reminder to to just like don't comment on people <laughs> and their bodies like those friends at the pizza party you know being like oh you're so skinny you're not gonna eat like I mean kids 
not to make an excuse for them but like some of them just don't know any better and they're just kids and kids are pieces of shit sometimes and they say inappropriate things but I think even as like adult women especially like just a reminder to like if you're genuinely concerned for their health like there's a way to approach that and there's a way to have that conversation that's not centered on your body and I think only certain people should be having those conversations with that person and if they have to be trusted and all that stuff ahead of time but I think it's interesting because I feel like it's such a common comment and even in a positive way like it's often meant as a compliment and you'd be like oh my god you look so thin or like you look have you lost weight or like what it's just like why is that a topic of conversation all the time and I think like to your point, Kate, like there can be like physical issues happening, health related medical issues happening underneath. But then at the same time, somebody who might be in a bigger body and you think, oh, they, that must mean they're unhealthy. Like you can't always see health on either range. I don't know if you can speak to that more eloquently, Kate, but like, what do you think about like body image and nutrition and how those like tie into each other that's a big question but yeah but I mean totally on the same page like comments on people's bodies just like just don't do it like it's just not necessary like there's so many other you know if you even if you feel like you're like saying it in a positive way or you're trying to give them a compliment like compliment them on something else because like you never know what is going on inside someone's head you don't know what they're going through like it's possible that someone is struggling with an eating disorder and you tell them like oh wow you've lost weight you look so great and then you're like literally reinforcing disordered behaviors um that are like actively harming their mental health so um yeah I'm a big proponent of like body neutrality from you know from like a third party perspective I guess like be just just be neutral about other people's bodies like their body is probably one of the less interesting things about them like there's so many more interesting things to discuss um but yeah I mean you're also like absolutely right that there's this common assumption that somebody's body size tells you a story about their health and that is totally not the case because there's so many factors that go into someone's body size there's genetic factors um there's like just no way of knowing what someone's health status is just by looking at them and like society likes to believe that like the bmi is a health metric and Mm. i would argue that it's not because (laughs) it's pretty much based on a very very specific population of white european males it does Mm. not like reflect the body diversity that exists in our world and um the associations that have been shown in research between bmi and various health outcomes are just associations like there's no way of untangling all of the various factors that impact somebody's health um if i had a nickel for every time i was told that i was obese by the bmi like I would have multiple nickels. <laughs> like, I think I'm relatively healthy, but it, it can fuck with you. Like I remember it was after college and I'd love to get into like mental health and sports and sports culture. Um, because I think that was something that took me a long time to figure out more so on like the mental health benefits of exercise. Because for me, when I went through college, Um, and my body was celebrated and it was a tool and it helped me perform. And it was something like my, you know, bigger arms and thicker legs, like it helped me compete and it helped me. So I felt like 
there was a reason that I had that body. Yeah, I was thick, but it worked like, and that's how I could perform well or whatever. Not that I was performing that well, but whatever. And then I remember after college being like, I finally finished. I'm free from the chains of this like crazy, like, you know, exercise regime that I've been in for years now. And I completely quit exercise like cold turkey. And it wasn't until like a few months after I graduated. And I think that was like one of the lowest points in my life where I basically had everything I was supposed to have at the time. Like I had the job, I had the, like whatever I was supposed, whatever box I was supposed to tick, I had it. But I was like, I feel like shit. I'm really fucking sad for no reason. And I just feel like lethargic, unmotivated and whatever. But I was so terrified to like, and I also just like, didn't feel right in my body. And like, I think it was genuinely one of the first times where I struggled with my body image. And I was like, I feel like, I don't think my body changed that much, to be honest. Like maybe I lost some muscle, but like, I don't think anyone else could have seen much of a change, but I felt like now it's bad to be big. And I was very like fat phobic towards myself of being like, okay, now I'm still in this bigger body, but I work at an office job and I do like science at a desk. Like, what's the point? And feeling like, because I didn't have a purpose, it was no longer okay. Like societally, like before I had a reason why I was like that. And now to not have a sport to tie myself to. And like you guys were talking about earlier too, with identity, like, I was like, what's the point of all of this? And it was really hard to get back into exercise because all that I knew how to do was like really intense Olympic like powerlifting and like very intense like sprinting and like 100% full exertion type workouts. And I had this very skewed idea of exercise and what it was supposed to be, what it could be, what it was like what was valid exercise. Like I really used to think like it was a waste of time if you weren't like drenched in sweat, feeling like you were on the brink of vomiting, like, and couldn't walk for a few days after your workout. Like it wasn't a good enough workout or it didn't count. And it just took so long to realize like, oh, actually exercise can be going on a walk. It can be going surfing. It can be, yeah, you can still go to the gym, but if you're feeling like you just want to read a book on the recumbent bike, like do that too. And then I think once I started figuring out some of that stuff, it helped me realize how much exercise and just moving my body for the sake of movement helped with my mental health. And I think it really helped me kind of like come out of that, but it was a really hard thing to unlearn when you're used to being so regimented, so strict, so like internally and externally motivated to give every single thing you have every single time and I'm wondering like how was that for you guys did exercising become fun for you when you got to be like oh I can exercise because I want to or I can do it in this way as opposed to like all throughout high school and college it was like you're exercising because you have to and this person's telling you what to do and you had like very little freedom around it was that like almost fun for you to get into I mean I know it was a hard transition but did did it become more enjoyable it's fun now like now I love it and I like crave it and it can be a lot of different things like 
now in the last few months I've been going back to like a proper gym for the first time since like the first lockdown um and that's felt good to kind of like get back into it and and do it at my own pace and whatever feels good listening to my body and I think in the past couple years and and throughout the pandemic when you kind of have to be creative of like I'm gonna go on a walk or I'm gonna go on like a jog around the neighborhood and explore and sometimes I'll walk sometimes I'll call a friend or like you know going surfing or going you know whatever it might be but I think it wasn't fun for a long time it was scary to be honest like when I would try to get back into exercise after I had took such a long time off like I was just consistently disappointed in myself and I was guilt tripping myself and I would judge myself because I mean working out at home or working out alone is obviously not the same as working out at like a division one athletics program surrounded by coaches and trainers and other athletes like and I was getting so mad at myself and beating myself up mentally for not being able to do what I used to be able to do and to think that I was less than because I couldn't do that anymore and because like whether I couldn't physically perform that way or I couldn't tap into the same like mental toughness or like mental level but I had to realize that like there was no need to do that and I didn't need to do that to be successful or to have ticked the box of doing my exercise and but it wasn't fun like I had a really bad relationship with exercise after college for probably the first year or so where I was trying to force myself to get back to something that I didn't need to return to but I felt like that's all that I knew but I would dread it and then I would avoid it and then I'd have anxiety leading up to it and then I'd suffer through it and I'd give up halfway and then I'd beat myself up and then like it was just not a good cycle and I think it took it took being creative to be honest like I think one thing that did really help was volleyball to be honest which is funny that you brought it up um but I got into never played volleyball before I'm not good at volleyball (laughs) I was like I need something team related and something fun because I similar to Kate what you were saying like I missed the team dynamic like I wanted to exercise I wanted to move my body I wanted to have teammates but I didn't know where to find that and I wasn't finding it on my own and I think having it like exercise be mixed with like outdoor activities and also with a social outlet was really good for me and being able to play pretty casually And I I will say it was very frustrating to not be good at it right off the bat because I was like, it's not fun to not be good at something (laughs) like, and especially like an athletic thing when like you feel like you're naturally athletically inclined and you're like, why the fuck am I bad at this? Like this sucks. But I think playing that was really good because I was so exhausted at the end of each like time. But then it was like, yeah, then we'll just have a beer. We'll sit on the beach. I'll walk home. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't so much like, oh, I hit my max or I PR'd on this or I blah, blah, blah. Like it was, I was playing for play and I turned like exercise more into like play and exploration and fun. Um, And also a form of like, maybe not meditation, but like almost like a mindfulness exercise where I would start like listening to a podcast. And through the pandemic, I did this a lot through the lockdown, put on a podcast and go for like a two hour walk. 
And it wasn't like I was trying to hit mileage or I wasn't trying to get some time split or anything. I was like, I just want to be outside. I want to feel the sun and I want to like feel a bit of a sweat and just like get out of my head for a bit. Cause I think when we were younger too, like, I don't know for you guys, but exercise and sports was a way to just like get it all out, like, and like leave it on the field or whatever the term would be for you guys. And just like, you couldn't focus on anything else. Like you couldn't think about your homework. You couldn't think about how annoying your parents were or how frustrated you were with your friend or how much you were stressed about X, Y, and Z. Like you just had to be there and you just had to perform. And I think that was something that helps your mental health in a lot of ways, having that time and just relearning how to find that. But how was your guys' transition like out of your sport and into finding what works for you as an adult? It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. It feels hard. I mean, similar to you, like when you're so used to doing something all the time, every day at such high intensity, it's it's hard to give yourself the permission to like yeah. just do whatever you find fun or like yeah. not work out every day. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had to deal with that partway through high school when I injured my shoulder because I couldn't mm. swim for like a whole summer and that was like a really big deal to me because I was like swimming was like my life at that point um and I remember that finding out that I like needed to take a prolonged break from swimming mm-hmm. was absolutely terrifying to me um in terms of my body image because mm-hmm. I was really like worried that my body would change during that time period and I like started going to the gym like working out at the YMCA and I would just go on the elliptical for like insanely long periods of time because I just felt like I needed to get the same amount of cardio in that I was Mm. getting before which obviously if you're doing that on an elliptical would like take a long time um (laughs) and I would like look at like the number of calories that I burned on Mm. the elliptical and like try to like, you know, see if I was burning as many calories as I would burn swimming. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely got really obsessive and compulsive about exercise during that time period because it was yeah. always so built in to my life for me with yeah. swimming. And then when I didn't have that, I felt like I needed to like grasp onto something else for yeah. control. Um, and I also feel like there's this element of being an athlete where people will kind of, I mean, they'll say like jokingly or like lightheartedly, but they were like, oh, you swim so much. Like you can eat whatever you want. And it yeah. gives you this idea that like, oh, if I'm not swimming that much, like I got to be careful or like yeah. I can't eat whatever I want or yeah. whatever. Um, so I also got really overly controlling and regimented about my food during that time mm. period and just like really went through a dark time during that yeah. period where I wasn't swimming. Um, I mean, once I kind of got back into swimming at, um, like my junior and senior year, this was like sophomore summer that I had to take the break, like things kind of normalized again, but I feel like in a way, like the, the swimming was kind of like masking sort of the underlying disordered behaviors because it was like a socially acceptable way to compulsively exercise. Yeah. (laughs) And then once I didn't have that anymore and found myself like freshman year of college like just like obsessively going to the gym and like kind of falling back into the those same patterns as sophomore year Mm -hmm. um I really had to like reevaluate like why why do I have this like 
need to like feel like I'm exercising every day and feel like I'm burning lots of calories in order to eat like yeah that's just not a healthy mindset around food and exercise um and again like I feel like having triathlon later in college to channel my energy into like um sort of helped me move past that for a little while but also was probably kind of like masking some of those underlying issues and then once I like graduated college and like really started to become like a real adult yeah (laughs) like I finally like figured things out and started to be able to work out just like in a way that I enjoyed and I mean like Chloe was saying like I do feel like exercising has such a big impact on my mental health and in periods where I've exercised less, like I definitely notice a difference in my mental state. So I like to think of exercise now more as like a form of self-care and like something that I enjoy doing, but not something that I have to do or not something that I have to do to earn my food or not something that I have to do to burn calories or not something that I have to do to be like a valuable human being. It's Mm -hmm. literally just something that I can choose to do if I want to. And that I know will help with my mental health, especially like when we went through COVID, I think a yeah. lot of people kind of had similar realizations like when everything shuts down and you don't have any sort of outlet it's it can be it can be tough and finding those ways to think of exercise more as self-care is really important yeah well said how about you said how has it been for you I had a very similar experience uh to Catherine pretty much like <laughs> the day I quit ballet I was like all right I need to hit the gym because I had this like distorted body image and I was like, well, I have to maintain this. And now if I'm not dancing for like six hours a day, I'm going to gain all this weight and be fat. And I had like a huge phobia around that, which again, it was like, I was not coming from like a healthy standpoint and was not exercising to be healthy. I was literally exercising to have this like calorie deficit and same thing like I would like be on the elliptical for like hours or do these spin classes because I was like oh I sweat so much and like I burn so many calories um and it was interesting trying to like learn how to work out because yeah like with dance you are moving your body and exercising but I had never really been in a proper gym so I was like I'm gonna like try to lift weights and like figure out these cardio machines. And so that was all interesting. And then in college, I was like very regimented about exercising and honestly, like the disordered eating improved, but I think I overcompensated with exercise and was telling myself like, Oh yeah, like the anorexia is better, but it's like, there was still this imbalance and disorder and it wasn't coming from like a healthy place where it was yeah like oh I need to burn all these calories to like earn what I'm gonna eat and for sure had that mentality like in college and fresh out of high school um so working to like build this relationship of no I should exercise for fun and because yeah it does really help with my stress and because I just generally feel good and feel better being able to move my body and practicing gratitude for like, wow, this is like so amazing that my body can move in this way and do all these things I'm asking it for it to do. But like, it took such a long time to get there. And then it was for a while too, like exercise was not fun. It was like, I have to do this. And so also like you finding things where it's like, well, what do I enjoy? And what do I like doing? And this does help my like mental state. And I'm doing it because I want to and not because I feel like I need to or I have to. And even being okay with like, 
I'm going to take a rest day. Like my body feels tired and I don't have to feel guilty about doing nothing because that's also healthy and being able to tune into these cues that my body's sending me. Um, mind you, that was a long work in progress and it's still a work in progress, of course, but it took a long time to get to that point to be like, oh, I'm exercising because I want to, because I feel better and it feels good and not because I feel like I have to. Um, but yeah, I would say it was really pretty much everything Kate was saying. I was like, yeah, that is pretty much spot on how I was too. Yeah. And what do you guys I mean, think? I think? Oh, okay. Okay. Catherine. Oh yeah. I think like just giving yourself that permission, like I can take a rest day. Like I don't have to work out. Like there's like, there's no reason to force myself to do this, but then also like in the context of more like eating behaviors, being able to say like, I still deserve to eat even though I'm not working out today. And I think that is something that I've struggled with personally. And a lot of people have struggled with is feeling like it's this like calories in calories out game. And like, if I didn't burn calories, like I don't deserve to eat X, Y, Z food. And, or like the reward system of like, Oh, I didn't move that much. So I shouldn't have this chocolate. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you know, take the rest day and eat the chocolate. Like, yeah, just, I remember noticing that a lot. Um, specifically last year, because I worked at a coffee shop and I don't know what it was about like coffee or like treats and pastries and things but like working in that industry I was shocked by the amount of comments that customers would say about their own body and about their own eating habits to me the barista the cash register person of like oh I'm gonna get you know they're also they're on vacation they're coming to Hawaii whatever but they're like oh I'll have like the latte and the croissant like I'm so bad but like calories don't count on vacation or they'd be like oh I'm really gonna have to hit the hotel gym after this they're like oh I'm being so naughty I'm gonna have a mocha instead of a latte and I'm just like it's shocking how much it's like perpetuated so casually and also by generations above us and like it's said by full-ass adult women older women middle-aged women young women like it spans a gamut but like I think it's also like, yeah, something in front that... of their kids too yeah like, it's... <laughs> it's awful and so I'm wondering like to take that on, onto a lighter note like how do you think we can be better for kids for younger people for our children or our siblings like I think about it in the context of my sister as she's navigating the world as now a 15 year old and I, I love what you were saying earlier, Kate, about like body neutrality and the quote that you said of like a person's body is the least interesting thing about them. I love that. And also I've heard somebody say, we're like, think about the top five people that you love and what do you love about them? Like the, their body is not going to be on that list. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it is what it is kind of a thing. It's an amazing vessel that can enable you to do so many things in life and be grateful for that. But at the same time, like, how do we decenter bodies in sports? And I think it's tricky because your body is your tool in sports and it is the mechanism with which you perform your sport. But how do you think we can all be like better about that in general? I everyone, really hope that we are the generation that like can finally break free from a lot of that kind of like yeah. the diet talk that you were talking about or, you know, those kind of 
comments that people make even like jokingly about body yeah. image when it's like at the core of it like it's not a joke yeah um and I think it takes time for cultures to change and that's obviously a very deep-rooted part of our culture but yeah. um I think that by just being more mindful about what we say about food and body especially around like people who are younger like you're saying yeah. like your 15 year old sister or even like if and when we go on to have our own children like just yeah. being really mindful about what you're saying around others and you know what from a young age might kind of instill that culture in them and then also I mean even at our age like what kind of comments might trigger people around you who have struggled yeah. with disordered eating or eating disorders um I think that added layer of awareness and mindfulness is really important and then I think like for ourselves, just focusing on tuning more into your body and like what your body needs and yeah. not relying on these kind of external metrics like, oh, am I running fast enough or have I burnt enough calories or um, all these extrinsic things instead kind of just tuning into what your body actually needs at that moment and what makes your body feel good and not not worrying about things like you know, whether your Apple watch ring has closed or <laughs> what the number on the scale and your bathroom says or all that. Yeah. Um, but then one other thing I wanted to touch on with like the weight neutrality piece um, is, I mean, I think weight neutrality or body positivity and all of those are great things to strive for, but it's also important to recognize that for some people that's going to be more challenging because we do live in a society where so much value is put on body size and for people navigating the world in larger bodies they face so much stigma on an everyday basis and so being able to view your body neutrally or even positively and to have others around you view it that way is a privilege and you know there's people who don't have that privilege because being in a larger body is, is really hard. There's a lot of prejudice against people in larger bodies. So yeah. I just want to acknowledge that too. Yeah. I think for me, I have, I mean, it's been a journey. It's taken a lot of hard work, but I have really gotten to a place where I now focus on like, how do I feel? Do I feel good? Great. Then who gives a crap? Like how I look or what the number on the scale says. And it's so interesting, even like you know, we have this huge like diet culture and fad diets and um, like I'll even go to workout classes and they're like, woohoo, we're working out. We get to eat all this stuff after. And to me, like, I am not in the mode of like restricting. I'm like, if I want it, if it tastes good, I'm going to eat it. If I want to move and I feel good doing it, I'm going to do that. If I'm tired and I want to sleep longer, I'm going to do that. Like really just becoming more intuitive to my body's cues of like, how do I feel? And like, what does my body need in this moment? And not just like my physical body, but like the emotional mental aspect of that all too. Yeah. Because it's all intertwined and connected. Yeah. So, and that's something I'm hoping that our, yeah, our generation could change and move towards. And even this system of like, oh, do you want this treat? And like putting extra values on food of like here, here's like a cookie and this is like a reward for eating your broccoli. And Kate, you've actually talked a lot about this in like previous conversations we've had where it's like, have food be neutral too. Like 
at the end of the day, you're going to need nutrients. And if you're deficient in something, you're going to end up craving what you're deficient for and naturally want to eat it as opposed to putting like these rewards or outweighing food or, I mean, I think Kate, you could probably speak to that a little bit more eloquently than I can. Um, but yeah, but, no, I mean, I think what you're getting at is like the putting food on a pedestal thing, which is yeah. a super common thing. It's like, you know, this food is good for me. This food is bad for me. I should eat this. I shouldn't eat that. But instead just looking at it through a more neutral lens and focusing on, you know, food plays a lot of different roles in our lives. Like food is nutrients, food is nourishment, food is also a social thing. Social. Food is also an enjoyable thing. And there's like so many different reasons that we eat and being okay with the fact that not every time you sit down to eat it's not always going to be for a specific set of nutrients there's other factors that are going to influence what you eat and that's perfectly okay and normal and it's part of life super emotional for a lot of people too yeah food's complex body image is complex yeah I also I really appreciate what you said Kate just about like acknowledging the privilege of being in a smaller body and I think it's like it it has been interesting for me to being like kind of somewhere in the middle where like I would say like I still have an like objectively acceptable looking body and like I I don't think I'm considered fat but investigating with myself like why am I so afraid of that and it's changed Mm -hmm. different parts of my life but especially like when I wasn't exercising and also like almost like the second puberty that you go through. Like I'm, you know, heavier than I was in college. Like I'm not my 16 year old body anymore. And realizing that like, it's okay to change and it's okay for your body to change. And also to kind of look within and being like, what is it about being in a bigger body that's so terrifying? And how are we supposed to change societally for people who are naturally born in larger bodies And that is the balance and like the natural state that works for them for whatever reason. Like, how are we supposed to help them if we can't even help that for ourselves? So I think like all of the stuff we've talked about today has been super interesting. Um, But also to acknowledge that like this can eat at any, no pun intended, but like it can eat away at you no matter what you look like. Like whether you have the most stereotypically beautiful idealistic body whatever whatever that means or you have something deemed you know undesirable say by society or whatever it is like it it spans the gamut like everyone struggles with this and I think we can all give ourselves a little bit more grace and just give other people more grace as well and just kind of try like you're saying Kate to to decentralize that decenter that not decentralize decenter that and just be a little bit more neutral about it and get to know people and get to know ourselves for the things that make us more interesting and the things that are more valuable beyond just our physical body. Yeah, there was a really great feature in the New York Times recently that was about eating disorders in people with larger bodies, um, Mm. which is a very, very common thing. And it's like stereotypically, like those aren't like when you think about an eating disorder or when you read about an eating disorder in a textbook, like that's not how eating disorders are commonly portrayed, but that's how they commonly present. And Mm. it's important to recognize that people in smaller bodies have eating disorders and body image concerns. People in larger bodies have eating disorders and body image concerns. And I mean, like Chloe's saying, like it, it, it affects us all and addressing that kind of 
internalized fear of fatness that is instilled in us is a really important key to make sure that everybody is able to get the help they need to support their mental health and recover from eating disorders. Absolutely. Well, shoot, dropping, dropping the microphone, Kate, all day. <laughs> is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about in, in general or any other things that you wanted to share in terms of like your relationship to sports or athletics or body image or how is it? How do you feel today? Maybe that's how we could wrap out. Like, how was your relationship to your body today? And what are you maybe still working on unlearning versus what are you proud of yourself for having unlearned? I think one kind of overarching theme that I feel like has come up in our conversation and has like come up when I reflect on my experience with athletics is just that perfectionist mindset. I feel like across all sports, it's really common to have that perfectionist mindset, which can, you know, affect body image and a lot of the other stuff we talked about today. Um, you know, but can also be a positive things in some way. So it's just like, I think it's really important to balance out like in what ways is being a perfectionist serving me and in what ways is it not serving me? In a lot of instances, I think it's not serving me. So um, thinking about, you know, how can I incorporate exercise in a less perfectionist type of way? Like how can I think about body image in a less perfectionist type of way? Um, moving away from that kind of black and white thinking and instead um, focusing on yourself as a person more holistically and just supporting your mental health I think with dance when I left it I really missed it but not to the capacity that I was performing it at and there's a lot of things I'm grateful for like it instilled a lot of amazing things in me and taught me like discipline and work ethic and Like I learned so many amazing lessons that I think I've carried with me throughout life and will continue. Um, And then there are a lot of things that I needed to unlearn that were hard and have taken time. um, And that I think I'm more mindful of, but at the same time, it's given me really beautiful things. Like now I, I still have this love for dance. Like I love watching pretty much all forms. I love dancing for fun. I love going out dancing. I love dancing in like a structured setting, like finding hula. I found it in like a really roundabout way, but was missing dance and didn't know how much I needed that for my soul. And so being able to have still this like structured format, but where it's not at this level and capacity of, yeah, trying to achieve perfection has been really good, especially um now it's become almost a spiritual practice which sounds silly but like I'm in this intense grad program and like hula is so this outlet for me to just like express myself let things flow um there's this connection with like the spirit and your ancestors and the halal which is a hula school that I'm a part of has like such amazing women that I never would have met otherwise and I formed like really beautiful friendships with it and I should say even with ballet I still have to this day really good friends even through that so there was a lot of darkness surrounded it but it's also led to so much light in my life years after the fact like I never would have thought so 
I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's how I'm going <laughs> to answer I feel like you it. answered Chloe's question more directly. <laughs> no, I that's great. And I also love what you're saying too, Sid, about like the relationships that you form. Like, and I think like looking back on my like athletic career or whatever, like some of my closest friends, almost all of which, like I, I genuinely think you two are some of the only exceptions where we didn't meet playing the same sport um, in terms of friends that I know I will have for a lifetime. And I think a lot of that is a trauma bond from what you go through playing sports together. Um, but it's also, yeah, that sense of like community and celebration that you can find um, and and the teamwork and the life lessons that you form. Like, I think a lot of the qualities um, of athletes can can be a really positive thing of being, you know, focused time management teamwork communication commitment like all those things are really positive but I think just being careful like not diving too deep into the darker side of that and I think that often happens when you spiral within yourself so I think a lot of times too the relationships you form through sport can help you kind of pull your head out of that and and be part of something bigger than than just like spiraling within into that perfectionist mindset um which also I should point out, like you two both did what would be kind of closer considered to individual sports than what I did. Right. So you guys had a different experience than I did. Um, but I do think that there's like a lot of positives that can be taken out of that. Um, and yeah, I think like the, the most important thing that we've kind of covered all is like, just give yourself a bit of a break. Like you only have one body and like, it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're going to find people that love you. Like you're going to be able to do things that you want to do. You should celebrate the privilege of whatever extent to which you can use your body to get out and about. And like, I think I often take being able-bodied for granted and, you know, you're so caught up in like, Oh, my swim time or my mile time or my max or my whatever. And it's like the fact that you can walk out the fucking door and go do that is something that we just take for granted and going back into like there would be a whole other episode to talk about like injuries and that's like you touched on that Kate but like when you have those physical kind of abilities taken away from you whether that's from injury or disease or whatever might happen like you start to realize how lucky you are just to exist in a body whatever body that is and I think yeah, it's it's complicated and we're not going to solve it all. But yeah, I appreciate what what both of you guys said. And Kate, it's really interesting to hear your perspective from like the scientific kind of academic background and you speak on it so well. But thank you for bringing all of those perspectives and also just for stating things so clearly and eloquently. I feel like I've learned a lot and I feel like this was really a valuable conversation. Definitely. You're gonna be a great dietitian. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> hire you. And we didn't even get into yeah, all of your specialties and everything. Um and your story about that. But oh, we want to touch on anything. Episode. Yeah, we, we might yeah, have no, to do that for a round two. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, it was really it was really interesting. Like I feel like we've we've talked about different elements of you know our experiences with sports in different capacities and stuff but being all together and talking about it like it was really interesting to see how many parallels there yeah. were in in what we went through even though we did totally different sports um but I think there were a lot of common themes across 
all of our experiences. I think we we all, you know, got a lot of joy and community out of our sports, but also had some kind of similar struggles throughout. So I think it's important to talk about it all because other people are going to have good yeah. and bad that come out of participating in sports. It's never going to be all one or all the other. Yeah, well, that's true. Thanks, well, Kate. this was so fun. Was. I love this conversation. I know. I miss you guys. I miss you guys too. Yeah. You going to wrap us out, Sid? Yes. Thanks for tuning in <laughs> to another episode of like, <laughs> this. I sounded really disappointed there. I'm not. Um, oh. I think I'm just sad that it's over. Um, stay tuned. It's almost a wrap on season one and we've yep. got another exciting episode coming to you and some really exciting visions for season two in 2023 but thank you for listening and your continued support and blessings and blessings beautiful (laughs) things and thanks for being here kate yeah thanks Thanks for for having me all right bye bye